0: What's everyone? I am Colby Daniels along with Aaron Davis as uh, we get past Super Wild Card Weekend. We move to, to the divisional round. Uh, Aaron, before we jump into the NFL, what's going on? How are you?
1: I'm, uh, I'm all right. I'm going on day, like, 10 of not being able to taste anything, so uh, that's been—that sucks. And, you know, you would think, like, you know, you can't taste anything. You might as well eat, like, salads and stuff and eat healthy and, like, do all this stuff. But, uh, no, I'm overcompensating. I'm eating terrible— because I'm in such a desperate, like, state of wanting to taste something that I'm like, okay, maybe this is the meal that I taste this burger. Or okay. maybe now I'll taste this ice cream. It hasn't happened yet. I still can't taste anything. If I do taste something, it doesn't taste right. Are you eating more or less? I'm, I wouldn't say I'm eating more, per se. Just that I'm eating way worse when I'm eating. Okay.
0: Okay. That's. So, I read something the other day where somebody had COVID. And apparently they tried, like, vinegar and hot sauce and, like, several different things and couldn't tell the difference in any of them. And I thought, okay, like, I've heard of losing taste, but to not be able to tell the difference, like, a blind taste test of, like, tasting a little bit of vinegar and a little bit of hot sauce, like, seriously? Is it that bad? Well, that's not,
1: yeah, I mean, that's not fair, because there's a lot of vinegar and hot sauce, too, though. A lot of hot sauces are pretty vinegary. Well, sure,
0: but I don't know. I I don't know. I either can't.
1: I either can't taste whatever I'm eating or it has like a metal taste to it.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: So, it's been pretty annoying. I'm not going to lie. Like, I enjoy being able to taste my foods. Like, I'm drinking coffee right now. And of course. Other than it being hot, like, it doesn't taste like coffee.
0: What does it taste like?
1: Nothing really. It's just like a liquid? Yeah. It's like if, you know, if on a normal day, you taste coffee 100%. I'm tasting it at like 8%, eight, eight 10%. Yeah. Like, I could. Maybe just a little bit taste it today, but not really anything. It just tastes like hot liquid. It's milky. I can I, I could tell it's milky because okay. I, I put the creamer. Like I could te- I could get the milky like texture and substance, but like as far as the flavor, yeah, I don't really taste anything.
0: Interesting. I know, obviously, like like if you were to drink like for instance a Coca Cola, right, versus a cup of water, you're going to tell a major difference just simply because of like the carbonation, right, and the right. and the consistency. But I just I I, I feel like. In my mind, I have a hard time comprehending somebody not being able to tell the difference between two, like, randomly, completely different things that are somewhat similar. Like a liquid, like I mean, not being able to tell the difference between two completely different liquids.
1: Right. I mean, at the very least, your brain should know what it's supposed to taste like. and Right. Yeah. I, d- I will say, though, I'm a big soda guy. Like, I lo- I don't drink them very much anymore as an adult, but I love sodas. I had a Coke the other day. It was absolutely disgusting.
0: Ugh.
1: It was one of the worst things I've ever had. I just, it didn't taste right.
0: So weird. So weird.
1: Yeah. So are you, anyway. are you
0: officially out of the quarantine protocol or what's, what's your situation?
1: Yeah, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm back working and all that stuff. It's nice. been like, it's been probably 10 days, 11 days since I like started having symptoms. And yeah, I mean, I got a cough still this. I can't like, can't get rid of this cough, Yeah, but it's not bad. I'm not like dying over here. It's just, yeah. you know, made cough here or there. I do feel bad if I'm out in public, though. I'm like, I swear to God, I'm not. I should. Right. I'm not contagious anymore. Like, <laughs> right. I don't currently have. I have it.
0: <laughs> well, I'm on. I'm on like day. I don't know, twenty five. I feel like of having this like head, throat, chest congestion where I constantly have drainage and I'm coughing stuff up. Tested negative multiple times. I've been to the doctor. Wow. They say it's just you know, like I get this stuff every every winter. Yeah, and. Dude, it is hanging on for life. Like it will not go away. Every day, I feel like at some point in the day, I, I'm starting to like come out on the other side of it. And every time I start to think that, within hours, like the next thing I know, I have drainage like going down my throat again, and I'm coughing stuff up. And good lord, it is relentless. I am I'm getting insanely frustrated with it.
1: Well, it doesn't it doesn't help when it's you know 70 degrees one day, then 15 degrees the next day. That's exactly. And right. then 65 degrees like. Everybody's like everybody's gonna be sick for the next month because yeah. it's just everything going on, and then the weather's insane. And like, yeah. yeah, it's we're all gonna be like this for until March probably.
0: Yeah, I look hot, cold, whatever. Like, I I don't like cold weather, but I can deal with it if it'll just stay the same every day and not bounce all over the place so that you know, you know I'm I'm sick constantly. Like, commit weather, just commit to something. That's all I'm asking.
1: God, oh, it's other. Freaking stop millennials, playing, man.
0: Stop playing the. Fucking weather hokey pokey. Right?
1: Fucking millennial, man.
0: Put your foot in or put your foot out. That's all yeah, I'm it's asking.
1: Must all. be what, like 70 today and then I think we're back into like the 20s tomorrow <laughs> Yeah, on it'll Wednesday. probably snow on Thursday. Yeah, probably. Yeah, oh, oh
0: just miserable. Yeah, I'm, I'm over it. I'm, I'm ready for... The other part is, like, I, I, I'm just way better mentally when there is sun shining and the sky is blue and... And the grass and trees are green and I can go outside and like it just it 100 percent different like mindset when when all of that is happening versus the gray skies and the brown grass and just everything's dead and it's cold and windy and like, eh.
1: <laughs> I'm the complete opposite.
0: I know you, th- you you're like the walking dead. You thrive in this yep. time.
1: Exactly. Oh,
0: Speaking of the Walking Dead, man, I mean, the Arizona Cardinals, the Dallas Cowboys, the New England Patriots, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Philadelphia Eagles. Good Lord.
1: How does it make you feel that the Cowboys were the only home team to lose on super wild card weekend?
0: I mean, it doesn't really change anything.
1: Didn't change anything. Didn't change anything. I, I mean, I will say they probably did have the toughest matchup of any of the wild card games. They they probably played the best team. Oh, but for sure. Yeah, for sure. It was a, it was a dud of a weekend. Um, and like I know that like some people are gonna start bitching about like the seven seeds uh, getting into the playoffs, but like it's it's completely different. I don't I don't the argument's annoying to me because it's completely different than any other sport. Because the seventh the seventh best team in the NFC, some years could be the Eagles and get absolutely demolished. Like that could absolutely happen. But there's plenty of years, especially with injuries in football. Like the Bucks were the sixth seed last year. They could have easily been the seventh seed and walked into the playoffs and won the Super Bowl. Yeah, like. It, <laughs> Excuse me. It's not like the NBA where the eighth best team in the Western Conference is significantly worse than the, the number one or two seeds. In the NFL, the gap's not as big. Yeah. So I agree. Look, if it's been ten years and the seventh seed gets destroyed every year, then there's a conversation. But after two years, like I mean, let's 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 see a little bit more. Because yeah. a team could easily be hurt for the first half of the season and then get hot and run into the playoffs as a seventh seed and make a run. Yeah.
0: I'm with you. Yeah, this idea that people just want to get rid of the, the seven-team model. Like, look, I get if people weren't a fan of it, but here's the reality. It doesn't change what you would get otherwise, right? Like, that doesn't change the other blowouts that we got this weekend because those are still the same matchups that you would get otherwise.
1: Right. I would t- other than the Eagles and the Steelers, who neither team should have been in the playoffs, admittedly, this year. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've been pretty adamant about being how pissed off I was that the Steelers got in, and it played exactly how I everybody anticipated to playing. out. even Steelers fans probably assumed that's how that game was going to go. Yeah. But yeah, I mean the the Patriots still would have gotten blown out blown out by the Bills. Uh the 49ers still would have beaten the Cowboys. The Rams still would have demolished the Cardinals yeah. like I mean the reality is like the, we just had a bunch of teams that limped into the playoffs this year. I mean, we, we get two extra ball.
0: games that would otherwise have produced a bye week, right? For the number two yeah. seed and the seven seed wouldn't be in. Like people are complaining about having two extra football games, but it doesn't impact the other games whatsoever. And if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Like,
1: uh, yeah, most people that bitch are bitching probably aren't watching like the whole. Like, they don't care. Yeah, they're not real. You know, fans. And, and plus, <clears throat> I personally, I love that there's only one bye in each conference now because it makes the regular season like it makes those last couple of weeks uh, a little bit more meaningful because it it makes the situation where like. Uh, like the Chiefs have to try and win in week 18. Otherwise, I mean, in a normal, used to, they would have just had a bye locked up by that point. They wouldn't have been playing in the week 18 or trying to win or like, you know, the Titans wouldn't have had to have that must win game on Sunday yeah. in week 18 to, you know, get that bye. Like there's, it just adds a little bit more drama to the regular season, which, which I'm all for. But
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah. This weekend, uh, this weekend was a dud. And I, I mean, I, I don't think there was any game where it didn't play out exactly how everybody thought that game would play out. Maybe Rams and Cardinals, but if you honestly thought the Cardinals were going to go in and, like, dominate that game, I'd say you're a little out of your mind, because they haven't played good football in, like, seven weeks. I didn't think they were going to dominate
0: that game, but, I mean, I I wasn't, like, super high on the Rams coming into the postseason either, so I kind of felt like that was going to be a good game that could go either way, but...
1: I mean, that's just classic. I mean, it's Cliff Kingsbury. This is what he does. Yeah, He's great in the first half of the season. He's terrible in the second half. Going back to Tech, I mean, that was... How many times did he start five and one or six and zero oh or whatever attack and then finish six and six? Yeah, I mean it's, it's kind of what he does. And then I don't know, my God, that that Kyler pick last night was a uh, that pick six. I mean, you knew there was no chance of winning that game after that play happened. Yeah, I mean, not if, only did it, if there was one play nothing. to
0: yeah sum up that game, that's that's the play for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean the Rams were hitting you know Odell Beckham's getting forty yard passes on trick plays and Rams are getting one yard pick sixes like it was just a disaster all together from Arizona. And I mean, I don't know. I, I watched two games this weekend in the playoffs where I thought there were two coaches that were just completely out of their element, had no business coaching a playoff team.
0: Cliff and McCarthy. Yeah.
1: yeah. Just, I mean, and, and I know Stephen Jones said that uh, McCarthy's job is not in doubt, but I don't know if that's code for, you know, there's no doubt that we're firing him or there's no doubt that he's coming back. I don't know. But I just, damn. Like I know that uh, you know the Cowboys made the playoffs, won the NFC East, but like their the roster. I mean, this is kind of the Cowboys' mo for the past fifteen years. The roster is way too talented to be this poorly coached. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I mean, I I said yesterday. Nobody nobody wants to watch their team lose, right? Nobody wants the season to come to an end, but the loss isn't even the frustrating part about Sunday. The frustrating part is that your season ends in a game where you don't even feel like you got anything close to the ceiling type of product in the most important game of the year. Right. Like if your team gives everything they have and still doesn't get it done, I think most people can can somewhat like deal with that. But when you play arguably your worst game of the year in the biggest moment, that's where it's frustrating. It's like, what are they even doing? Right. Like this team was so unprepared. They were so undisciplined the entire season, and it was never fixed. And Mike McCarthy then says, we're not undisciplined. That's not an issue here, which is just an asinine comment. And then, you know, I I think a lot of the mistakes that were made on Sunday, especially the final sequence, right? Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, and Dak Prescott are all doubling down on it, saying, yeah, we felt like that was the right call in the aftermath. And that's the biggest issue with the Dallas Cowboys for two decades now. It's not just that you make mistakes in these big moments. It's that they never seem to recognize when they make mistakes. There's zero accountability. There's such an arrogance that they're not willing to admit their mistakes for the reason that Jason Garrett was allowed to coach this team for a decade. Right? Like, Jerry Jones didn't want to admit that he, Jason Garrett, wasn't the right hire. And I think the same thing is going to happen with Mike McCarthy here. They're probably not going to get rid of him simply because they don't want to admit that they maybe made a mistake in hiring the wrong guy in the first place.
1: I mean, we had this conversation two years ago after they hired him, and I thought it was a I thought was a mistake. I thought it was a cop out to go and hire McCarthy because he's not going to be a guy that is going to make a difference in winning a Super Bowl or not winning. Well, I guess he's the difference in not winning a Super Bowl, but he's not going (laughs) to be the difference in pushing him over the edge. But yeah, just complete just arrogance from McCarthy from Dak. Like, first off, the Dak comments about the fans throwing trash at the refs, like what a fucking loser.
0: Yeah, once again, that's, that's because there's zero accountability there. Like, they want to blame everybody but themselves. They want to blame the referees for them not knowing the rules at the end of the game and screwing up the biggest moment of the season with your season on the I, line. Blame the refs, because that's the easy thing to do instead of taking accountability and bettering yourself. Like, it's so frustrating. Yeah.
1: I've been watching uh, Man in the Arena, the Tom Brady docuseries on ESPN. It's worth a watch. After football season, if you're bored, it, it's, it's interesting. It's worth a watch. But, uh, I mean... They talk about one thing that like Brady talks about a lot about like working with Belichick, especially early in his career. And like, I mean, other players talk about like lawyer Malloy and like all these other guys that they have on is Belichick's like emphasis every day on situational football and like running through situations and like all this stuff. And like for 20 years, we've seen it with the Patriots. They they never they're never not ready for any situation like the Patriots would have absolutely known that that ball has to be set by a ref or by that back judge or whoever needs to set the ball. Before they can spike it. Right. They, I mean, there's no way they wouldn't have been aware of that. But the Cowboys were completely unaware of that. I understand it's in the heat of the moment. But the fact that you even had to be in that situation. Because you called a quarterback draw. With 14 seconds left. Yeah. In the game. Is insane. And then. And they I mean, doubled down on it yesterday. This.
0: They were like. Yeah we, we practiced that all the time. We
1: think that was the right call in that moment.
0: What the hell are you talking
1: about? It's so stupid. Like. Have you. I mean we've both watched football for decades. Have you Ever. Ever. Seeing a team run a quarterback sneak down with 15 seconds left and no, no timeouts. No, <laughs> nobody. It's, it's at any stupid? Level. High school, college, NFL. Nobody's doing
0: that. It's dumb. Like here's here's the biggest issue because there are people out there that say, I mean, it could have worked. Which look, yes, it could have worked. It did work. If everything, it did work. You got, like 18 yards. Yeah, well, which is part of the issue, right? Like got too many yards yeah you have 14 seconds and you ran 17 or 18 yards like first of all you have to be aware of how much time you have and give yourself enough time to get the ball placed and snapped again anyway so first of all if you're going to run that play it probably shouldn't go for 18 yards but second of all my biggest issue with it and this is where i I think it's a dumb call you're opening the door for elements outside of your control to potentially dictate how this game is going to go right like is that, is that a play that could work? Of course it could work. And and the play itself did work, but it prevented you from getting another snap. And the reason for that is because elements, well, to a degree, they could have controlled giving the referee the football. But my point is, you can't control how quickly the referee is going to spot the football. So you open the door to somebody else not, not doing things in, in, in your timeline and it impacting your ability to make a play. Like, why would you ever open the door to other elements to potentially control what you're going to do. That's so right, stupid.
1: A, right. And to mention that, you know, you just ran a quarterback sneak for 18 yards. Now you have to wait for this 60-yard, 60 60-year-old 60 ref to catch up with the rest of your team and spot the ball. Like, it's stupid. I mean, the whole thing was a, just a complete disaster yeah. from, like, a game management point. Like, the, I texted you about this because I was cracking up about this sequence for a good five minutes. The when they so It was a fake punt, right? They converted the fourth down yes. to a fake punt. And then McCarthy leaves like the punting unit on the field for some reason for, for like first and 25 10. seconds. And on first and 10 for like 25 seconds. Yeah. And then it's like, psych, we're not punting on first down. Here's our offense. And delay a game. Like, it's just, I mean, I mean, every we've ever talked about 14 penalties. Like, it was just a complete disaster from every aspect of like a game management perspective. And like, the the quarterback sneak, like, what are we doing to, to the point where we ha- you have Dak Prescott who as a top ten quarterback in this league, maybe maybe higher, maybe top six, top seven, I don't know, but top ten quarterback, you've got CeeDee Lamb, Mari Cooper. You've you've spent all of this draft capital and money to bring in these weapons to surround Dak in this offense, and you don't trust them to make a play with fifteen seconds left in the game. Yeah, you're going to call a quarterback sneak.
0: Yeah, well, I mean the yeah. same thing for the punt situation, right? Like. The Dallas offense couldn't move the football to that point in the game. Why on earth would the San Francisco 49ers defense be scared of the punt unit being on the field for first and 10? Like it was so stupid. And then once again, it produces another penalty. And I I, want to go over some of the penalty sequences in this game in just a little bit, but they were moving the football. They pick up that first down, but because they, they tried to be the smartest guy in the room, they get the five yard penalty, which now it's a first and 15 and you're behind the chains. That was their final set of downs in that series they ended up kicking a field goal there because they were first and 15 and didn't pick up another first down like what an idiotic thing to do in a playoff I mean that's something you test in the preseason if at all like why I don't I still to the, there's no circumstance there's no, no like, circumstance what? where you leave your punt team on the football field for a first and 10 unless maybe your quarterback is Jimmy G and you don't want to risk him throwing the other team an interception. I, I Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, Brian Anger's lining up
1: in the slot. What could happen?
0: San Francisco was not trembling in their shoes when the punt team stayed on the field. It was such a ridiculous idea. And, you know, I I think that... Before I get to the penalty stuff, the final quarterback play, the quarterback draw, like, that is kind of overshadowing what I think is a, a really big issue that isn't being talked about because it was such a monumental collapse in the final 14 seconds by the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, that's getting all the spotlight, but I want to go to the possession before that because, first of all, the Cowboys had no business even having those opportunities at the end. They, they made so many mistakes, they didn't deserve to be in that game. The 49ers kicked their ass for the majority of the game, and because Jimmy Garoppolo stinks, they actually had opportunities, but there were just under three minutes to go in that game, Aaron. I think it was like two minutes and 50 seconds or so. The Cowboys have all three timeouts, They have the ball. They're at home. San Francisco's without its two best defensive players. And for a Cowboys team that has all these offensive records this year, if the game is on the line in any scenario, right, everybody on earth says the Dallas offense is going to be the team that or the side of the ball that should win you the football game. So to have the ball with three minutes left, once again, I'll go over the scenario. With three minutes left, all three timeouts, at home, down six, against a team without its best two defensive players, and you can't, you can't score? Like, that's an indictment on Dak Prescott, on that offensive line, on your offensive playmakers, and on Kellen Moore. Like, what are you doing? Every other big-time football team in the NFL, with three minutes to go in the game on the line, is going to figure something out. Like, that, to me, is the most damning possession of the entire football game.
1: I mean, I honestly, like going into that those last few minutes, like I kind of thought that Dallas was going to end up winning that game, I, and they didn't deserve to win it. But just the way that it played out, I was like, Dallas has the ball. They've got did they have three? They had three timeouts, right? Yeah, they all got three that, timeouts. Yeah, right. All three timeouts. Like two minutes, three minutes to go. Three minutes to go. Down, all three
0: timeouts plus the two minute warning.
1: Right. And like you said, Fred Warner just gotten hurt. Bosa had been out for a while at that point in the game. Like there was no reason that Dallas should not have won that game, given the circumstances that they had the ball at the end. And it was completely botched. I mean, they burned through those timeouts like immediately. They 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 were out of timeouts before they crossed the fifty, right?
0: I don't think. No, no. They they still had all their timeouts because they used them in the next in the San Francisco series to get the ball back.
1: Oh, that's right. They punted back. That's right.
0: Yeah,
1: I forgot there was. They ended up being two. They had two possessions in the last three minutes. Yeah. It was, it was embarrassing, man. Like I. I don't feel bad for Cowboys fans, but like at the same time, like I feel bad for any Cowboys fans that it thinks anything's going to change. Like if, if they think that next year the Cowboys are going to the season and do it any better as long as Mike McCarthy's the head coach.
0: Yeah, I mean I well here's the issue. I don't think they're going to get rid of Mike McCarthy, but even if they do, guess who it's going to be?
1: be? Kellen Moore. Of course probably. it's
0: going to be Kellen Moore, which doesn't change anything. It doesn't change it. Kellen Moore has been around for the entire Jason Garrett era, which was also a culture issue, which says that the issue is bigger than the coaching staff. It obviously goes to the very top, but the point Kellen Moore's not changing anything either.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, it starts with Steven and Jerry, like the the sense of arrogance and like, I I don't know. Everybody always says that Jerry wants a yes, man. And it's hard to argue that he doesn't when he hires, when you go from, you know, Wade Phillips to Jason Garrett, to. Uh, Mike McCarthy after you know you deal with uh, Bill Parcells for like a couple of years and then Jerry's like no yeah. I don't want anybody that's going to be combative with me so yeah I don't know I don't know what the answer is I mean the roster is a Super Bowl roster regardless of like them losing in the play in the first round on Sunday like this roster is a Super Bowl roster I mean I think there's probably issues with some Z- with Zeke that I would be concerned about just with his body breaking down but Tony Pollard was very good this year like Receivers are great. Like, we, the receivers are good. I know CD didn't really do anything on Sunday. Like He kind of no-showed that game. It wasn't good. But still, what, he's going into his third year next year. Like He should only improve. Yeah. The defense got significantly better this year. And I know that Dan Quinn's probably going to be gone. Um, I would imagine he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere just because every team is interview him, interviewing him. And I can't imagine he's going to just butcher every interview that he has with every vacancy. But, I mean, Parsons, like Diggs had a big coming out. Like There's no reason this team should not win the NFC East next year and be yeah. a Super Bowl caliber roster, but they're not gonna win it. they're not gonna make it to the Super Bowl. They're probably not even gonna make it to the NFC championship game because they're gonna screw up three or four games in the regular season, not get a bye, and then it's just gonna be too tall of a task for them to win two playoff games, let alone three to get to a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. I mean there there were people shocked at the penalties on Sunday and that's been there all year. <clears throat> the penalties have been an issue all season. It's an undisciplined football team. That was that wasn't going to change magically when you get to the postseason. And, you know, I've talked about this over the last couple months, but the team that that we watched in the first two months of the season that what were they six and one or whatever going into the bye week, they go into that bye week and I don't know what happened. And obviously out of the bye week, Dak didn't play. And that was when Cooper Rush filled in and they beat the Vikings. But coming out of the bye week, they were never the same team. And I don't know if it was just like because they were the toast of the NFL at that point, they started like reading their headlines and getting comfortable. But they never really came back and played with the same sort of mojo that they had in those first two months, and the offense specifically had issues the rest of the season, and I think some of that was masked by the Falcons blowout, the Washington blowout, and then they blew out the Eagles in the final game of the season against the Eagles backups, which I said you know last week, Like that's, I, I'm not putting any stock into them blowing out a bad football team that was playing its twos across the board, but... Yeah, this team has a lot of offensive firepower, but they were massively inconsistent for the final two months of the season. And I think special individual performances, like what Micah Parsons was doing on a weekly basis, what Trayvon Diggs was doing on a weekly basis, completely covered up the issues that we watched down the stretch of the year. This was not a good football team that played inconsistent football for two months. And a lot of the offensive numbers that weren't in the blowouts came in games where, once again, they would get behind by a couple scores and then teams go into prevent mode. We saw this all last season. Can't move the football, can't get any any offense generated whatsoever, and then you fall behind by a couple scores, and then defenses are no longer playing you honest and they're they're going into somewhat of a prevent type situation. And then that's when Dallas gets all these stats and you know the the numbers look way better than they should and the offense get, starts getting talked about as one of the best in the league, but once again, it's an offense that has a lot of talented football players, but Kellen Moore can't seem to figure out unless they're down on the scoreboard and defenses quit playing them honest. Like it's how does how do people not see this with Kellen Moore consistently?
1: So uh, just going back to the penalties real quick, I, I looked it up. Uh, guess who was number one in the NFL in most penalties? And this is a penalties enforced. Decline penalties aren't counting. So penalties enforced, uh, Dallas first, yeah. 127 penalties this year. Uh, they had 50 pre-snap penalties during the regular That's season. That's embarrassing. Which was also, as you could guess, first in the league. Yeah.
0: 50 pre-snap so,
1: yeah. penalties. So yeah, not a surprise that they had 14 on Sunday.
0: Yeah. That's undisciplined football. Like, you can say the refs don't like you. You know, there are people that are like, oh, the refs are just trying to get the Cowboys. Like, I get there are circumstantial holding penalties and things of that nature that can be debated, right? Like, pass interference is another one that can be debated. Pre-snap penalties aren't something that's debated. Like that's that's you having your head up your ass and not right. paying attention to the details, which the Dallas Cowboys never do.
1: You're getting a delay of game because you're you're trying to make the other team think you're going to run a fake punt on first down, and getting a delay <laughs> right. game is not right. the ref's fault.
0: Yeah, CeeDee Lamb walking to the near side of the field, and Dak Prescott not paying attention that his receiver isn't set when he snaps the football. Like another like oh that was yeah. Pay yeah, attention! Like yeah. nobody's paying attention in a playoff game. That that play, They ended up getting, like, a pretty big chunk of
1: yards on that play, right? Yeah, yeah, that
0: was, yeah. yeah. I think CeeDee yeah, Lane actually that, yeah. caught
1: that pass, maybe. He did, yeah, he did. He, he went XFL style and started running before the snap. Yeah. Or XFL, arena football style. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was another just completely undisciplined play that was completely avoidable. Just wait half a second for him to get set, Yeah, and then you get a 30-yard play. Yeah.
0: All right, let me, I, I want to run down um, a sequence of penalties that just, really crushed this team. So, so they're down 16 to seven and they get the football before halftime with an opportunity to get some points. And then they were getting the second half field goal, right? Like we hear so often in football, like how important those, those four minutes that sandwich halftime, are, final two minutes of the uh, first half and the first two minutes of the second half. So they're moving the football to close the first half and they get all the way to the San Francisco 39 yard line. And they get a holding penalty. At the San Francisco 39, which puts them at like what? Like second, first and 20, second and 20. I don't remember what it was, but behind the chains, once again, that ends the drive. They get no points going into the locker room. They get the ball to start the second half. Their very next possession, they get the ball to start the second half. They have a third and four. This one was unbelievable to me, Aaron. Third and four, and they get back-to-back false starts at home in their own building, and it's third and 14. They obviously don't convert, and then they punt the football away. Like... The last possession of the first half, you get all the way to the San Francisco 39, then you get a hold, which ends the drive, essentially. And then the first possession of the second half, you have a third and four, and you get back-to-back false starts. And it's not like their offensive
1: line is young and inexperienced.
0: Oh, so bad.
1: One of the most veteran offensive lines in the league. Yeah, those
0: guys have played a ton of football. Although, I I would be stunned, fall out of my chair stunned, if Connor Williams was back next season.
1: Wow, he's been a pretty unanimous i want to say i wouldn't say disaster but like i would easy easy weak link of that offensive line for three years now
0: yeah i mean it's either not playing well or
1: producing not penalties
0: like consistently yeah. so bad like they had to take him out of the lineup earlier this year for a couple games because at that point he was committing so many holding penalties they felt like he was being targeted by the officials like they didn't feel like they could play him because they thought he was being targeted by the officiating crews for for these penalties. Crazy. So bad. The, yeah, the offensive line needs to be addressed. There, you know, I, I've said this for a few years. It's not the same group that was there in, you know, Zeke's first, like, two, oh, yeah. three years. They're
1: well, not. Tyron Smith is not all pro anymore. Yeah.
0: Well, he's good when he's out there, but, like, the guy hasn't played a full season in five years, right? Like, it's. Right. Yeah. It's like.
1: No oh no Travis Frederick anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Travis Frederick's gone. Zach Martin's still an all pro. Um, you know, Lyle Collins is good. He's, he's also a guy that I feel like commits a bunch of, of dumb penalties, but like, he's a good football player, but yeah, I think like center and left guard have to be addressed. You have to start thinking about another tackle option because you can't guarantee that Tyron Smith's going to be out there for the entire year, but man, what a, what a disaster all the way around. Like they failed in every department. And then the fact like, it was just comically bad to me. I wasn't even angry as much as it was just, like, comically god-awful. And then what, what like, really fired me up was how much they, like, doubled down and blamed the officials in the aftermath and, and said, like, oh, yeah, we think that was still the right play. And, like, that's what, it, <clears throat> the performance wasn't even, like, anger-inducing to me because it was just so bad that I was beyond anger. I was, like, laughing about it. Like, you, this is a joke. But the complete ignorance to take any accountability for that shit show was, like, what set me over the edge yesterday?
1: I mean, they, yeah, it's 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 not like that was a close game all day. Like they barely got back into that game in the fourth quarter. Up to that point, San Francisco had dominated yeah. the game.
0: Yeah, they completely dominated the game. <clears throat> if they don't have maybe the worst outside of Big Ben, the worst quarterback in the postseason, Dallas that 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 becomes a blowout. And look, yeah. I would say I think San Francisco, healthy, if you if they have a, a just better than average quarterback, I think they're a Super Bowl contender. But I mean I, I don't believe they're winning the Super Bowl with Jimmy G.
1: Well, I mean it's gonna be tough to get through the rest of the NFC yeah. you know, yeah, with Jimmy G. They've done it before. I mean they they are two years removed from a Super Bowl, but well, yeah, that
0: team I think was better though.
1: Defensively for sure, yeah. they were they were I mean, they were elite level defense, but right. yeah, it's four and uh, by the way, four and eleven uh, in playoff games for Dallas since they won Super Bowl thirty. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they stink, man. Good lord. They, uh, I, I was asked last week when I was talking about this game. Like, I was super excited about this matchup. But in terms of like feeling like Dallas could win the Super Bowl, I was like, man, it, I, I called this game a prove it game. Like, I almost, I need to see them play a good playoff game before I can like legitimately say going into a postseason that I believe they can win the Super Bowl. Like, can we say that at their ceiling they're as good as anybody in the NFL? Sure. We, you know, when they're at their best. I think they can play with anybody, but we don't see that consistently. They they are so inconsistent. They have a really high ceiling, but they also have a really low floor and everything in between is on the table on any given Sunday. So it's not a team that plays consistent football. So for me, I was like, could, you know, th- this will, be, I thought it would be a good game. I thought it would be a really close game, but I I was like, I need them to see, to play a good playoff game before I have any confidence whatsoever that they could actually make a playoff run. And once again, here we are. You just gave the numbers, like four and eleven. Good lord.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, most Cowboys fans should have seen this coming. And I know one teams lose games all the time, but like that they had the ability to completely no-show in that Denver game at home in the middle of the season, I think is just a testament to this team is what it was inconsistent. To I mean, because they I mean like, think about it. They that Denver game completely no-showed, got dominated. They were down 30 to nothing, like oh, right, Yeah. At that that, one yeah. point in that game. Then they beat the Falcons 43 to 3. And then the next week they lose to the Chiefs 19 to 9. Yeah. Like that three-week stretch is the epitome of what the Dallas Cowboys were this season. Yeah. And like I know twelve and five looks great, and winning the division looks great, but they were very inconsistent all season, like you talked about. I mean, I mean the, the last three weeks, for example, you beat Washington 56 to 14, and then you lose to a Cardinals team that had not played good football yeah. in five or six weeks. And then you beat the Eagles fifty-one to twenty-six. The Eagles and backups. I, I mean, that just the Eagles, backups. Eagles backup. Eagles yeah. backup. right. I mean, that just shows to show how bad the NFC East was this year. They got six wins uh, from the mm-hmm. NFC
0: East, so you know, twelve and yeah, five. Right. Eh. They were six, yeah. and five, six and five. Yeah, outside of the division. There you go. And there were again offensive struggles for most of the stretch run. Like the Raiders game on Thanksgiving, they were down big, and mm-hmm. all the offensive production came late when you know the Raiders kind of are are going into prevent mode. They never really got it going against Kansas City. Same thing against Arizona, right? They were down by multiple possessions and generated offense late in that game to make it close. But, you know, that was another game where Arizona was up by a decent amount. And then Dallas, you know, finally, like in the later stages, put some things together and hit on a couple big plays to close that gap. But once again, in reality, the offense was atrocious that day.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the NFL. You can't continuously put yourself in situations where you have to score a touchdown touchdown. With a minute left to win games and think that you're going to do that, you know, in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, I'll be Um, I'll be interested to see what this offseason looks like. I don't I don't envision Mike McCarthy leaving, but if he does, I I would guess it's Kellen Moore, which doesn't make me any happier. Like, I'm not I I don't like to. I've reached a point in my life where I don't I I don't want to call for people's jobs like I just, you know, like it's just not. What I like to do. But I will say, like if you ask me if I think Mike McCarthy is the right guy to get Dallas a Super Bowl, I will say no. And if you ask me if Kellen Moore is the right guy to get Dallas a Super Bowl, I will also say no. But from a from a roster standpoint, they're free agents going into this offseason. Connor Williams, I don't think he'll be back. But listen be. to the rest of this list. I mean, these are contributors. Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson, Dalton Schultz, J. Ron Kurse, Randy Get Gregory, Leighton Esch, Keanu Neal, Malik Hooker, Carlos Watkins, DeMonte Casey, Noah Brown, Dorrance Armstrong.
1: Yeah. All those guys. I, mean, Gall- I, I would say for sure Michael Gallup's probably gone along with Connor Williams. Just because I mean Gallup's been hurt. He has dealt with injuries and you know you're gonna have to pay C D in a year or two. So yeah. probably don't want to lock up money in Michael Gallup. Uh I Layton Esch, I think it's probably a coin flip. I mean, Micah Micah Parsons being an all pro this year completely changes your entire dynamic of like the way you're gonna pay out your defensive players because he's gonna get a huge contract in a few years if he stays healthy. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I mean, yeah, those are, I mean, that's a lot of free agents that are, you know, impact players, but I don't, I don't know that necessarily a bunch of turnovers going to make a difference because like like you said, it's a cultural thing. It starts at the top. And I, I mean, they've, the Dallas has had a lot of like really good players over the past 20 years on their roster on both sides of the ball. And it never like translates to winning in the playoffs at any point. Right. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I I, I guess I kind of see your point though about McCarthy coming back because at this point, the coaching search has been going on for excuse me for like what like a week and a half with all the teams that like have openings. So you're already getting in behind the behind the you know the rest of the pack on finding a new coach. And who's out there that's going to make a difference right. for this team winning a Super Bowl at the point? And like I don't because if Kellen Moore is like the the replacement if you fire mccarthy at this point kind of tells me that steven and jerry don't want to make kellen the head coach right now or at all so i mean i guess why not bring mccarthy back and just run the same thing over i mean it's mccarthy's issue is just it's like we talked about a bunch over the last 30 minutes it's just a lack of discipline thing going back to green bay it was like yeah he, he just doesn't have discipline you're talking about a guy that would skip team meetings for to get massages supposedly and like that aaron Rodgers didn't get along with it just, i isn't saying much but like I mean, he has a track record over the past decade of being an undisciplined coach.
0: Well, and, and to that point, they're not going to hire anybody that is a disciplined coach because that probably means that he's not a yes man, right? Like, if you are a disciplined yep. guy, then you're probably more like a Bill Parcells or a Jimmy Johnson, right? Jimmy Johnson yep. and Bill Parcells were disciplined guys. They're, you know, like, Connor Williams would have been cut at halftime by a Bill Parcells or a Jimmy Johnson, right? Like, he would have never been playing. Right. He would have been
1: playing that game. yeah, Yeah,
0: but because they need a certain personality... To mesh with upper management, I feel like it, that I mean, that personality trait is not going to produce a disciplined football team. Is my opinion.
1: It's the only team in sports where the owner is more popular than any player. Yeah, I mean everybody knows who Jerry Jones is. I mean, I, even if you don't watch football, you know what you know the who best Jerry Jones example
0: is. of how arrogant mm-hmm. and unwilling to admit fault or mistakes this team is. They still allow the sun to shine onto the football field since 2009. Yeah. I've been complaining about this from the first year that they opened AT&T Stadium. Well, just, not even because of the football part. Just because of, like, visually, it's not very pleasing. Like, I, when I watch a Cowboys game in the afternoon, it's not visually pleasing to see those sunspots on the football field. I'm like, what are we doing? Cover that just, shit I mean, just up.
1: The, just the arrogance to build a stadium east to west <laughs> and then put giant glass windows. Right on the West side of the the stadium where the sun's going to set. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: that's how arrogant that organization is. They don't want to admit that maybe that was a mistake a or do anything to fix it. It's just like, no, we didn't screw up there. We're just going to keep it that way forever. Like, what are you
1: doing? Yeah. Just think if they would have put the glass on the East side, it wouldn't even be an issue. (laughs) Just like a simple thing. I mean, who designed the stadium? Jared Goff, Good just be like, Lord. hey, the sun sets in the west. Maybe we should put the windows on the east side so we don't have, you know, the sun gl- blasting through the windows for two and a half hours if we play yeah. at three o'clock.
0: But no. Well, they, they have curtains because they have a lot of, like, <clears throat> concerts and stuff there that they use curtains to cover those windows. But they just refuse to use them. Like... Well,
1: how, how else will God watch his favorite team, Colby? I know. I just unbelievable, Anyways. man. Unbelievable. Uh... Can we talk about the fact that we live in a world right now where a Cincinnati versus Buffalo AFC Championship game is like a very real possibility? Yeah. In fact, if I had to put my money down, like I think Cincinnati gets there. I think Cincinnati beats Tennessee, and then Buffalo, Kansas City. I mean, Buffalo can beat them. Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo just might have played the best offensive game in the history of the NFL. It did seven possessions and scored seven touchdowns. Yeah. And didn't punt or turn the ball over one time.
0: Yeah. That's that'll be the best game of the weekend. <clears throat>
1: No, well, for sure. I mean, it's John. I mean, I mean, if you would have looked back, looking back like five years, I mean, nobody would have thought that Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech and Josh Allen from Wyoming right. would arguably be the two best quarterbacks in the league right now. I mean, Aaron Rodgers obviously still up there, but like to, for them to be up there, the at least the AFC to be the two best quarterbacks in the AFC is it's insane. And yeah, I mean, Josh Allen just threw more touchdowns than he had incompletions against the Patriots defense.
0: Yeah. By the way, I don't know if you saw this, but I think it was Pat Forty on Saturday night tweeted something along the lines of, man, I guess I was wrong about Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming. And I was like, okay, hold on. Like a lot of people were wrong about Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming, right? Like I was wrong. I'll put myself in that group. Absolutely. I I was was 100% wrong about Josh Allen. The reason I bring it up is because now... Like, it took all the way to this point for you to admit that you were wrong right. about Josh Allen. He we was... were here two years ago. Like, we've yeah. far moved past all of us admitting that Josh Allen is way better than any of us gave him credit for coming out of college. My- myself included. I was 100% wrong about Josh Allen. But it's amazing to me that somebody like that <clears throat> has to get all the way to this point before you can say, Okay, you know what? Yeah, I was wrong.
1: The guy's been Josh an- Allen guy was an MVP candidate last year. He finished second in voting last year, MVP. Yes. in MVP. second in, in, MVP last year, yeah. Well, this guy, I might have been wrong on this guy. That
0: was the AFC was really Championship
1: shit. game, right? Last year? Uh Buffalo and Kansas uh, or- yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kansas City yeah, Kansas City beat Cleveland and then played Buffalo, and then, right? And played Buffalo, yeah. yeah Josh Allen
0: right. got the Buffalo Bills to the AFC Championship game last year and it takes this, this playoff game where the Bills are just running up the score for somebody to finally be like, okay, you know what? I guess I was wrong about Josh Allen. Like, where were you all of last season? Freaking jackass. Good Lord.
1: Look, and I don't, look, I think it was completely justified for everybody to be down on Josh Allen coming out of college because he was, ter- he was not good his rookie year. And, I mean, you can't, and I say this all the time, and I say this is a big reason why I don't put a lot of stock in, like, GM's drafting in sports. Uh, because you can't really project how hard that player is going to work once they get to, you know, being a millionaire and being a professional athlete, and, like, you just can't project that. So I think drafting, is a, it's a lot of the times it's a coin flip. Sometimes there's, you know, h- harder to miss guys like Peyton Manning. Like, there's no doubt Peyton Manning is going to do what he's going to do. But, like, Josh Allen, I mean, he went seventh overall. There's no way anybody could have anticipated him getting this, like, year-to-year improving as much as he has through his first five years in the league. Yeah. You just can't project that. Right. So, like... For everybody to be down on him, especially after his rookie year, I think is completely justified. But I think that we all just need to admit that he's proved everybody wrong and he's an elite-level quarterback at this point that nobody expected him to be.
0: Yeah, he's a top-ten guy for sure.
1: I mean... Other than, I guess, Buffalo, because they took him seventh, but... Yeah.
0: Well, and, you know, he was also kind of right at that stage where, you know, the way offenses across the league were being run, it was shifting, and... You know, for me, I I was still kind of viewing him as like going into the draft, not knowing where he's going to go. I'm still viewing him as like drop back in the pocket and just you know throw the ball that way because that's kind <laughs> like of like
1: Brock Osweiler. Yeah, yeah,
0: and like I just didn't feel like his accuracy was good enough to just be a drop back passer. But again, the NFL's ch- was changing. And you just didn't know, like, if that was going to be a a brief trend or if that's just the way that offenses were going to go. And now, you know, we've arrived at this point where that's the way offenses are being run now league-wide and using quarterback mobility as a big part of everybody's offense, right? Like, when RG3 was drafted, like, the conversation was, you got to keep him in the pocket. He's going to get hurt. Same thing. Like, there were those conversations about Kyler Murray. He's too little if you move him out of the pocket a lot, right? That's what, like, that was a legit conversation people were having. And it's like, dude, the way the NFL is being played now... All quarterbacks are getting outside the pocket. You're using yeah. quarterback mobility as a weapon. I,
1: I think that I think we need to give some kudos too to Buffalo for building an, an offense that absolutely utilizes every strength of Josh Allen yes, too.
0: One hundred percent.
1: Like 100%. Sean McDermott is. Has, has, they got a helm run higher in Sean McDermott. He's been great, but also just the front office to build an off like like I just said. Like they that offense is perfectly suited for his abilities and for his, the way that he plays and. Some teams just can't do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, they're scary, man. Like, I, if you would have asked me five days ago if I thought Buffalo could make a run for the Super Bowl, I probably would have said no. Um, just because they hadn't been the most consistent team throughout the year. But, I mean, they played – the last, like, month, they played really good. And then after watching the way the offense played on Saturday, like, I mean, they're scary. That Kansas City-Buffalo game is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm uh, I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks, I, I found it amusing last night that there were people that just automatically went to Kyler Murray stinks and Kyler Murray is uh, not a good I mean, quarterback. He sucked like, last what? night. what? Yeah, he was terrible yeah. last night. Like, no, I'm not debating that whatsoever. But right. I, the guy is still one of the best 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. The guy still has massive upside. Like, this idea that because he played bad in a playoff game, like, come on. And, and look, the other I mean, thing, I, I don't. you probably saw this, but... Going into last night, I guess Kyler Murray's career record was 7-15 after October. He was the number one pick in the draft, which means he was selected by the worst team in the NFL. Like, this is year three. They're significantly better. They made the playoffs in year three. Like, settle down a little bit on this whole, like, they're not good at the end of the year. I know they weren't good. But i, I that's I, I think a little bit more circumstantial than it is like an indictment on yeah, Kyler Murray I mean, as a quarterback.
1: I think it's more detriment. I think it's more detrimental. <clears throat> it says more about the coach that you have a coach who has a track record of fumbling, you know, in the second half of seasons at both levels. because remember last year they started what? six and two or something like that. Like they had a they got it. they started really well last year too, yeah. and then just completely shit the bed in the last two months of the season. And this year, look, I mean, losing DeAndre Hopkins is a huge loss for that offense. Oh, He's, yes. DeAndre was so much of a focal point and just kind of like the old cliche like um like comfort blanket, so to speak, for Kyler Murray. Like to lose that and like run out there with a roster full of guys who I mean really don't haven't played in the playoffs at all. I mean, outside of like Zach Ertz and James Conner, like they really don't have anybody on that offense that's played playoff football. I mean, AJ Green didn't do anything last night, but like even his playoff football is very limited and he'd never won a game in the right. playoffs. So yeah. And then you're, I mean, you're playing a veteran team in Los Angeles who is what? Three years removed from a Super Bowl. Like I think that I honestly think that last night might've been one of the most overrated coaching matchups in the NFL.
0: I mean, it was right there with uh, Shanahan McCarthy, right? Yeah. Which I mean, look, I thought I uh, love Shanahan, I I Kyle Shanahan, right Shanahan also, um, open the 49ers up for that comeback as well like for sure he was so set on trying to throw the football at times it's just like dude run the ball like why why would you ever stop running the football against this team you 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 have the ability to run the ball that's where their weakness is is stopping the run and you have this quarterback that this is what he does he gives the ball away and you keep trying to throw passes yeah. and then like, like the fourth and an inch thing like dude just line up and quarterback sneak it and the game's
1: over well, for, or Debo Samuel's been unstoppable. Yeah. You think Debo Samuel can't get two yards? Right, best player on the field handle last, the ball? on Sunday. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Kyle Shanahan seems to have this weird, uh, like, loyalty to Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if it's because Jimmy G took him to a Super Bowl a couple of years, but, like, and, and I know Trey Lance really didn't, like, show anything when he played this year that, like, warranted him starting for that team, but, like, I mean, they're probably in a situation where Jimmy G's going to be starting week one next year. Like, they're probably going to bring him back.
0: I can't imagine that. I think he's gone. And Look, they, they spent three first-round picks trading up to get Trey Lance. Like, at some point, I, yeah. here's the thing. Like, you just mentioned Josh Allen's rookie year. Peyton Manning is in the same boat. Like, you he's have terrible. to play a bad season. A, a lot of rookies have a, a bad rookie year. Like, you've got to let those guys get but, through the, the struggles of being a first-year quarterback. And at some point, you have to start that for Trey
1: Lance. I think, but I think that's the problem with being a team like San Francisco who trades up and drops a quarterback at third overall when you're not a bad team. Like you're one of the, you have one of the best rosters in the NFL and it's hard to take that leap of faith with this rookie quarterback and put him in there and say, yeah, I know. I mean, we've got Jimmy G who's not great, but like he at least wins games for us. And like, it works to, to throw out. I mean, San Francisco is a perfect example, I guess, because Alex Smith and the Colin Kaepernick thing, like. I think they were kind of in the same boat with Alex Smith, and then they benched him for calling Kaepernick. And I mean, Kaepernick got him to a Super Bowl and all that stuff. And long term, it didn't work out. Kaepernick kind of was a flash in the pan in the NFL. But I think it's tough. I think it's tougher because like if you're the Jets or you're the Cardinals or whatever or that Bills, it's easier to just throw that rookie in there and potentially suck for a year. I mean, the 49 Nineers team is I think they're still in their Super Bowl window with this roster. Yeah, but they're I not know. doing it with just, Jimmy G. No, they're not. But I'm just so, saying I think as a head coach it's tough to swallow that pride and just say we're going to go 7 and 10 for one year so that we can be even better the next two years.
0: Well, yeah, maybe you go 7 and 10 or maybe, you know, you you play 500 ball for the first 10 weeks and the light bulb comes on and he starts playing sure. better and you go like the my my, my just, point yeah, is yeah, yeah. yes, the window is open and the only thing that's preventing them from winning a Super Bowl is the quarterback position. That's why you trade for Trey Lance in the beginning, but at some point you're going to have to play the guy and he's going to have those struggles. So why not get that over with as quickly as possible while this window is open so that you can get him through that part of his career? Because the longer you wait, the more, I I think you put yourself in a bad position of him being good and the window still being open. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I too. I also think there's probably, I'm just, I don't know for sure, but I, I, maybe there's some level of like stubbornness with Kyle, probably with and like his system and like doing all that stuff. Like, I don't know. Uh, I I'm trying to remember. I, I may be wrong, but like for some reason, I feel like I, I remember there being some like debate on whether or not Shanahan wanted Lance or Mac Jones or um, at the draft. So <clears throat> I don't know if maybe he was overruled by John Lynch and the rest of the front office and getting Trey Lance. And
0: I think Shanahan wanted Lance.
1: You think so? Yeah. Okay, I, I can't remember. I do remember there being a debate with Mac Jones or Trey Lance at that third spot. But yeah, I don't know. I mean. He did play. I mean, Trent Lance did play a little bit this year, and like it yeah. wasn't. I mean, he saw flashes. Like the dude's got a cannon. Like the dude yeah. can throw it 80 yards easily. But I don't know. I mean, obviously Shanahan has this weird loyalty to Garoppolo because Garoppolo's not even healthy. He's like, he's not like he came back 100%. Like he's still, his thumb's all jacked up. He sprained his ankle on Sunday, and I don't know. Maybe he won't. I mean, maybe he won't be able to play the next weekend. But I don't know. They're they're still good though. I mean, well, I say they're good, but if Nick Bosa and Fred Warner don't play, then that completely changes everything. I mean, if Going those guys don't Bay. play,
0: then I think green Bay drags them. But even if they do play, I think that's probably the biggest mismatch of the weekend. Right. Cause again, well, the best team in the like I think fell, San Francisco is yeah. really good, but green Bay is arguably the best team in the league. And if, if it does become a game where you're asking Jimmy G to somewhat keep even try Rogers, to keep up yeah. with Aaron Rodgers, you are not winning that
1: battle. No. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Yeah. Anyway, what a, what a weekend. Hopefully we have a little bit more competitive football, in the divisional round, but, uh, look, football is football. And I'm, I'm certainly not complaining about having the two extra games that we got this weekend, as opposed to the yeah. old structure.
1: Yeah. Look, if, if the fact that I got to watch Ben Roethlisberger get absolutely embarrassed in his final game in Pittsburgh made it worth it. I would have much rather seen Justin Herbert in that, in that game, but, but I agreed. if I have to watch Ben Roethlisberger get embarrassed, Patrick Mahomes, by the way, threw five touchdowns in a 10 minute span.
0: Oh yeah. That thing like went, like they couldn't, they didn't score in the first quarter, right? And then no, yeah. And then the the, the Watt touchdown happens, and they're down. And it was like literally, they just uh, uh, like opened the gates at that
1: point and unleashed the entire arsenal. Right. The fact that Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdown passes in ten minutes is just the perfect example of how bad Ben Roethlisberger and that Steelers offense is. It's not like it's not on the Steelers defense per se that they scored five touchdowns in ten minutes. It's the fact that the Pittsburgh offense couldn't stay on the field for thirty seconds. Right. Yikes.
0: Yeah. I look, Ben is a hall of famer and, um, you know, he's, he's just been far from that for like three years. Like they, they should have pulled the plug a long time ago.
1: I mean, we talked, I mentioned, we talked about it last week. I mean, outside of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, like it always ends like this. Yes. Every, like you can name any hall of fame quarterback. It does not end well. That last season is all, they always stick around one too many years.
0: Well, and Ben has like, you remember Peyton Manning's last year, like how all of a sudden it was just like, man,
1: mm-hmm. it's gone. 20 yards, yeah.
0: Like Ben has been there for like three years. Imagine Peyton Manning playing like two more seasons after that. Like that's where oh, Ben is. Right. It's like what? They
1: started 10-0 and 0 last year yeah. <laughs> with Ben Roethlisberger playing like that somehow. Yeah. And uh, they have not, they have not, uh, they've maybe won 10 games since then. Well, then they, didn't
0: they win, lose like <clears throat> five in a row or something? I mean, it was.
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember, saying like, I
0: remember saying like, I'm not, I'm not buying Steelers, not buying the Steelers, not buying the Steelers. And it got to the point where I'm like, I'm still not buying the Steelers, but I guess I got to give it up to them because they're still like finding ways to win every week. And literally right. like finally, when I got to that point where I was like, all right, I, I don't, I still don't believe, but I'll give it up to them. Then I think like it just avalanche the other direction.
1: Let, let me ask you this. Would you, would you trade a first round pick for Mike Tomlin to be the next head coach of the Cowboys? Ooh,
0: I'd think about it, man,
1: man. I I mean, I guess it. it the,
0: if you keep the roster intact, then the answer is yes, but
1: well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm talking next year yeah. for like him to he, like he goes to Dallas next year for a first round. I mean, the fact that he got to the Steelers into the play, this Steelers team in the playoffs is a testament to how good of a coach he is. I mean, they, they should have won four games this year. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: and it's also a testament to just not overreacting anytime things, you know, go in the wrong direction for a period of time. Like you, you know, it doesn't always just fall on one person and sometimes things go the wrong way and, you know, overreacting by just saying, oh, we got to fire this guy. Like, they've been well coached for most of his entire tenure. Like, you know, sometimes...
1: It's funny because, like, we talk about Dallas not being able to find the head coach since Jimmy Johnson... The Steelers have, I mean, that's been their whole thing for 50 years. Yeah. They've had what three coaches since the sixties. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, I thought Parcells was, had the Cowboys on the right track. And then, you know, obviously like that didn't work, oh, yes, but man. it was this, you yeah. know, he's this, he's the Jimmy Johnson kind of guy and he had it going in the right direction. And, uh, there's, there's a clash there. So
1: one of these days, maybe probably not, but yeah, you're,
0: yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. I got to get a uh, little man to school, so uh, we will catch up next week.
1: All right. See you later.
0: That is Aaron Davis. I'm Colby Daniels. Everybody, have a great podcast is over